So, it's Mother's Day, and you guys came, and you're like, I'm going to get this real soft Mother's Day message, and it's going to feel good, and we're going to go eat. It's probably not going to be a real soft message, so sorry about that. What I'm going to do today is just an introduction. I do want to get you out of here at a decent time, because we do have graduates that need to get to a place to graduate, and I know everybody wants to go eat and all that, so I'm going to try to keep this to no more than an hour and a half teaching, okay? Is that good? My goal is 20 minutes, okay? 20 minutes. Bear with me. 20 minutes. I'm going to introduce a concept today that we're going to talk about for the next couple weeks. And if you know me, you know I don't like doing that. I don't like like a sermon series. I want to talk about that week what God's put on my heart. But God's put something on my heart that I think we need to explore. And it's going to take us a little time to get there. So I always start with questions, right? So... My first question this morning is, what does it mean to know someone? He said, you know their name, you've gotten to know them, you know how they act. Did I miss anything? There's more. St- you know what they look like. Come on, some adults can talk. Don't tell me these kids. Yes, ma'am. Character, qual- you know their character qualities, their relationship with God. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Awesome. Behaviors. So getting, go ahead. Favorite colors. Anybody know what mine is? <laughs> How'd you guess that? <laughs> I do like blue, thank you. It's not blue and orange, though. That's, that's the colors of Satan's football team. <laughs> orange, orange, orange. So when you get to know somebody, you've got to spend time with them, right? You, gotta, you, you find out data about them. But here's the thing. I look around this room, and I know all of you. I know everybody in here. There's not one person in this room I don't know. But do I know you each on the same level? I know Kaylin's parents. I've watched them live their life a little bit on Facebook, heard her talk about them, but I didn't meet them till this morning, but I know them, right? But I don't know them like I know my son I spend every day with. Or some of you guys we spend every Sunday with. And you look around the room, and I'm going to argue that most of you know each other. At some level, most of you know each other, but we know different things, right? I mean, for me, obviously I know my wife and my sons the most but I know you each. So I want you to kind of stay on that. What does it mean to get to know someone? What do you have to do to get to know someone? And then I'm going to ask you another question that's going to hit a little deeper. Does Jesus know you? And that may not have been a question you were expecting because the question we get all churchy with is, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? That's what I want you to do. I want you to know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? But I'm asking a different question this morning. Does Jesus know you? As soon as I said that, some of us naturally started squirming, right? Oh, I'm not worthy of that. I'm not good enough. I don't know. I mean, I know Jesus, and I've accepted Jesus, but I don't know if he knows me. But immediately some of us start struggling with this thing called rejection, and that's called the fear of not being accepted. I have a fear that you're not going to accept me. That's called rejection. That's an evil spirit. 
I have a fear that I'm not good enough for Jesus. That's an evil spirit called rejection. So we got a little audience participation here. Before we go any farther, I want you to repeat after me out loud. Out loud. I bind up a spirit of rejection in the name of Jesus, and I tell you to leave me alone in Jesus' name. See, if we're going to go forward and talk about whether or not Jesus knows us, I can't have Satan lying to you. And I'm not going to take that chance, okay? So we tell rejection, Satan, get out of here in the name of Jesus. Say it again. I bind up a spirit of rejection in Jesus' name and tell you to leave. You have no authority. So where am I going this morning? Where are these questions coming from? What happened was we had a men's group a couple weeks ago. And somebody brought up this scripture and says, what does it mean to be known by Jesus? Let me read the scripture. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Jesus said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my father will enter heaven. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. So for generations, we ask this question, do you know Jesus? And I want to make sure you get to know Jesus, and I want to make sure you accept Jesus. But I'm going to ask you to search right now, and we're going to turn, because I think we're asking the wrong question. Does Jesus know you? Because this doesn't say, get away from me because you don't know me. It says, get away from me because I don't know you. Jesus is talking about people who prophesied in his name they cast out demons in his name they perform miracles in his name these are miraculous things right but he says i never knew you and i'm going to be honest i know you're hoping for a soft mother's day message but i hope this creates some tension this morning because i want jesus to know you i don't want him to be standing there on judgment going get away from me i didn't know you So, how many of you guys have ever read a biography about somebody? So, a biography is when someone writes about somebody. How many of you ever wrote an, read an autobiography? Okay. So, biography, I write about that person. Autobiography, they write about themselves. Got that? Okay. So, what happens when you read? What happens when you read those books? What do you learn? You learn about that person? Would you argue you get to know them a little bit? So you read an autobiography about the greatest football player that ever lived in the history of mankind, Peyton Manning. Don't read Tom Brady's. Don't read Tom Brady's. His wife's a witch, and that's public knowledge, all right? <laughs> I'm being serious. She's into witchcraft. Leave his autobiography alone. Read Peyton Manning's. When you read that, what do you know when you're done? You know data about him, right? Right? You know that he's colorblind. Did you know that? You may, she said, you don't know his personality. You may learn a little bit. But when you read his book, does he know you? When you're done reading his book, does he know you? So why is the Bible any different? I read the Bible. I got to know Jesus. But there's more to do if you want him to know you. Okay? Are you following me? 
So we've got to make sure he knows us. So I'm just going to hit four quick things this morning to introduce this, and then we're going to come back and dissect it in the next couple of weeks. I don't know if that's one week, two weeks, three weeks. I really don't know. Four things to start looking at. How can I make sure Jesus knows me? Number one, when you read Scripture, you have to look a little bit before Scripture sometimes and maybe a little bit after to get the full context of what's being talked about, okay? So we're going to come back to that in a few minutes. So number one, when we read Scripture, we tend to go right to that Scripture and read it and say, what does this mean? And if you don't take it, what comes before and sometimes what comes after, you may miss the full meaning. Number two, we've got to dissect the verse itself. Because I'm going to argue with you that you probably at this point don't remember anything in that verse except for one thing. Jesus said, depart from me, I didn't know you. Yeah, you can probably go back and remember some other things, but what do we get hung on? We get hung on that one bad thing. And we got to go back and dissect that verse a little bit. Number three, I want to look at what the word know means. How it's used in some other scriptures to get the depth of what that word means. And then fourth, I want to look at the heart behind the actions Jesus is describing. You prophesied, you cast out demons, you healed people, all those sounds awesome. But what was the intent? Why did they do those things? Okay, so let's jump into number one. Anybody ever read a verse or heard a verse that's taken totally out of context? Anybody? How many of you off the top of your head can tell me what Philippians 4.13 says? Can anybody off the top of their head tell me what Philippians 4? I can do all things through Christ Jesus. How many of you use that verse? Give me some examples of how you use that verse in your daily life. Go ahead, Daniel. Huh? Your identity? Okay, that's good. Thinking of a different scripture. So think about it. You hear people say, you hear sports guys wearing the jersey. You know what I mean? Uh, Stephon Curry has it on his shoes, right? I can do all things through Christ Jesus. I can do all things on his T-shirt. So if I can do all things through Christ Jesus, why can't I dunk the ball? Why can't I walk out in the parking lot? I can do all things through Christ Jesus. So I'm going to pick up a car. Okay, just so you know, those two things are probably neither going to happen. Right? I'm completely out of shape, and I'm going to go hike Mount Lacan or Mount Everest. I can do this because I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. Don't we hear people say this? Let's be honest. People use it to talk about getting their physical strength or what they need to get through that day or whatever. But you got to back up a little bit. Paul had an entirely different meaning for that phrase, and maybe you know it, but a lot of us don't because I hear this scripture used all the time out of context. I'm trying to give you some ridiculous examples. But if you back up two verses to Philippians 4.11, he said, I was never in need. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on nothing or with everything. I learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it was with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. He is saying... I've had nothing, 
and I've had everything, and it's okay because I'm going to keep moving forward because I've got the strength of Jesus. He's not saying because I have the strength of Jesus I can go do these weird, yes, you can do miraculous things, but I'm talking about putting this in context. This is talking about whether your circumstances are good or bad, Jesus is going to give you strength to persevere, okay? So I'm just giving you an example of we can take a verse, make it totally out of context. When Stephon Curry puts that, I'm not picking on him, but when he puts that on his shirt, what does that mean to people? They relate it to sports. I can ask most young kids, what does it mean when you hear that verse? Oh, yeah, I saw it on his jersey. That means I can be an all-star. That means I can go make millions playing in the NBA. That means I can be successful, and that's not what Paul's talking about. He's saying it doesn't matter if you have a little or if you have a lot or if you're somewhere in between because of the strength of Jesus that I have, I can do everything. I can keep moving forward. He's talking about enduring. Not that he can literally do everything and anything he wants to do, but he's talking about enduring. So where I'm going with this is if we want to know what Jesus means to know when he says, I didn't know you, we got to go backwards a little bit. Okay? Here's the kicker. It ain't two verses. It's two and a half chapters. This is where we're going to go over the next couple of weeks because in Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and most of chapter 7, Jesus gives you a blueprint of what it means to know him and for him to know you. And we call that the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to dig through those in detail because I want you, with no shadow of a doubt, to know what it takes for Jesus to know you. So Jesus spends two or three chapters expecting or telling us, explaining to us what the Father wants. But we start in that verse and we get hung up with rejection and fear that we're not good enough. That's my concern. Let's dissect the verse a little bit. If you back up two verses, I ask you to back up two and a half chapters. If you back up two verses to verse 21, he says, Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. So what is he saying? He's saying it's not enough to just know me, guys. It's not enough to know my Father's will. you got to do something. Two months ago, we did a sermon, and it was called Do Something. James says, not enough to know the Word of God. you got to do something, and I don't think we're taught that. I think we're taught this simple, greasy grace, and it is a simple grace, but we, we're taught this. You can go do anything you want because you just turn back for the blood of Jesus. But Jesus, James, Paul constantly tell us we have to do something with what we know. I think it means that if we're going to believe in Jesus, it's a little deeper than just saying the words, I believe. If you believe in something, you do what they say and you follow. If you want to know Jesus, spend time learning what the Father expects from you. If you want him to know you, do it. It's that simple, guys. So we're going to spend time on that in the next couple of weeks. But normally I say, don't get ahead of me, but I'm saying, get ahead of me. Go read Matthew 5. Go read Matthew 6. Go read Matthew 7. Be able to teach it when I come up here to talk about it. If you want to be known by Jesus, it should be the best question you could ever be confident in knowing that you're going to be known by Jesus. Go get ahead. Go read those chapters. If you asking the question, does he know me or will he know me on that day, raises tensions in your spirit, the first thing I want you to do is what I modeled for you. Pray against rejection and make sure there's a fine line between Satan lying to you on this side 
and God convicting you with the Holy Spirit on this side. Think of the little red devil angel thing and the little white angel thing. You got an argument going on all the time. Satan's going, you're not good enough. They're not going to love you. And God's over here going, my grace is sufficient for you. There's no condemnation in Christ. And that's going on inside our head, and we pretend that it's not, but it is. So pray against rejection. Bind up the lies of Satan. We've taught you how to do that. And then if you still feel that tension, then it's called conviction. And you need to spend some time in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 understanding what Jesus expects you to do with what God wants you to do. Does that make sense? All right, so I gave you the answers to number one and two. So let's look at number three. Y'all got to bear with me on this one. This one's going to tend to go in a weird place for a moment, but just please bear with me. What does the word no actually mean? If we look at the Greek word, there's some common sense things to learn. So if Jesus is going to know me, he's got to learn about me. That means I've got to spend time with him. That means I've got to try to do the things he wants me to do so he can learn that I want to please him, that I want to do the Father's will. It means to get an, a knowledge of. It means to understand, to perceive, to become acquainted with. We get all those, right? All those make sense, but here's the one where it goes a little crazy. To know someone is the same word the Bible uses to get to know you at the most intimate level. And I'm going to give you a scripture. Please bear with me. Let me explain this, and I hope you'll get my point. I've got to preface this by saying, and I'm going to, I don't want to say this in front of a bunch of kids, so I'm going to just kind of go with me here. There's something that kids don't want to hear about or you don't want your kids to hear about till a certain age. You with me? Anybody not with me? Any adult not with me? Eli, you raised your hand. You're not with me? <laughs> The Bible explains that act with the same word Jesus used to say, I didn't know you. This is where I'm telling you, do not go weird on me, okay? Promise me you're not going to go weird on me. God meant that for something extremely beautiful between two people that would know each other at the most intimate level and would know no one else that way. The world and our actions and our failures, and you know mine, have caused that to be so perverted and twisted and messed up that it's going to be hard for us to take the world's definition of what I'm talking about and apply it to what it means when Jesus says to know me or to know you, okay? But in Matthew 1, 25, it's talking about Jesus. It's talking about the birth of Jesus. It's talking about Joseph and Mary. So Mary becomes pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son of God. And it says that Joseph did not know her until after Jesus was born. You follow me there? I'm trying to say it without saying the word. There's kids in the room. <laughs> Look at your Bible. Most translations don't say no. Before he had with her, Jesus had to be born. But the Greek word that we've translated there is the same word Jesus said, I want to know you. Get the weird glasses off and understand what the word, what that act was supposed to be. It's supposed to be for two people. I should know my wife different than anyone in here should. And the same for you and your spouses and for you kids and, and teenagers one day for your spouses. 
That's part of the reason Satan wants to twist it and screw up our lives with all of our mistakes we make because it perverts what that word means so we don't understand the true intimacy. Jesus is saying, I want to know you at the deepest, most intimate level. I don't want to just know your name and what you think and what you do. I want to know everything about how you tick. I want to know that you're willing to change. I want to know that you're willing to do things for me. I want to know that you're willing to get out of your comfort zone. I want to know things about you that even your spouse wouldn't want to know. But we're so scared if we actually let Jesus into those places in our minds, he wouldn't want us. But he wants to know us so he can change us, so he can help us, okay? So I went a little weird there or a little sketchy. Are you guys cool? Anybody not understand where I was going there, okay? Can't talk about that stuff in church. It's weird. Jesus is saying, I want to know you. I want to have knowledge of you. I want to understand you. I want to be one with you. I want to know you at the most intimate level. So again, the good news, he spends chapters 5, 6, and 7 telling what he expects us to do, to know, to feel, to change, to get to the point where he can know us. So again, if the thought of him knowing you scares you because of what the world's told you or another preacher's told you or a church has told you or a parent's told you, if it scares you because they've used guilt and Jesus to try to control you, I want you to walk away with a really good feeling that you're going to get a blueprint of what it means for him to know you. The enemy's going to try to convince you you're not good enough. I don't care where you're at in life. It happens to me every day. It's one of the biggest things I struggle with. But I have a blueprint of what Jesus wants to know about me. So I have a plan, okay? So the final thing I want to point out, and we're going to close with this. Jesus is telling these people, I didn't know you because everything they were doing was focusing on things that brought them attention and not inward things. When we look at chapters 5, 6, and 7, he's going to talk about things you've got to change in here. He's going to talk about things that have to take place in here. So these people are saying, wait a second, I did all these cool things in your name. And Jesus is simply saying, where was your heart? Where was your heart? He doesn't need us to be perfect. He needs to know us, and he needs to know that we're willing to change. He needs to know that we're willing to be corrected. And these people were saying, but we did this. We cast out demons in your name. Isn't that cool when you cast out a demon? Thank you. <laughs> Isn't that cool if you see somebody healed? We've seen it in this church. Isn't that cool? Isn't it cool when somebody gives you a word of prophecy and you're like, holy crap, how did they know that? Or two years later, something comes true and you're like, they told me that? But those are all, and those are all awesome things, but that's an outward thing. And Jesus is saying to know you, I don't, it's not, I shouldn't say he doesn't care. I was about to say he doesn't care about, he does care about those things because he wants us to go do them, but he cares about what's in your heart. He cares about what's in your brain, what no one else can see. That's what he cares about, and that's what we're going to focus on. I think he is saying their heart was not right. I just spent two and a half chapters telling you what I need from you for your heart to be right, not what you need to look like. So we're going to pick up here next week. 
But in the meantime, jump ahead of me. Read chapters 5, 6, and 7. If you're from out of town, it'll be posted online if you won't be back. Yeah, Parker's saying we have a YouTube channel called Harvest in the Silos. We try to get our videos posted by Monday-ish, and lately we've been a little later on that. But we will post every one of these because I think this is critical. I want you to know Jesus, but I want Jesus to know you, okay? So bear with us as we go through this. It's just an introduction today. I'm going to pray for us, and then we got one more video to show today. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to stand here on a special day that we dedicate to mothers. And I thank you for the opportunity to honor the mothers in this room. Some of these women have been told in their lives they're not good enough. Some of these women have been physically, mentally abused. But today, Father, let them feel you. Let them feel your redemption. Let them feel your love. Let them feel special today. Father, I lift up any women that may be here or hear this that can't have children, Father, because I know this would be a tough day. Or maybe the children that have recently lost a loved mother or grandmother. Maybe those that have been through things like abortions and they have regrets about the past. Father, today, I lift them up to you. And I ask you to give them comfort on a day that may be tough. We celebrate these mothers in here, but this day may be tough, and we want to honor those people. So, Father, Jesus, your blood, your redemptive blood covers all those things, all that hurt and pain from losing a loved one, all that hurt and pain for past mistakes, all that hurt and pain, just like the woman at the well. The woman at the well that came to the well, we look at her as this floozy of a woman that had all these husbands, but the reality is she was probably just barren, and she had been rejected by those husbands. So, Father, we ask for restoration, healing, and I pray that every mother in here today has a special day in the name of Jesus. Amen.